Hi, everybody. Um, welcome to the... Um, sorry, I thought I was supposed to be moderating something else, so I have no idea where we are. Are we steps two and three? Welcome to the step two and three workshop meeting. My name is Ella. I'm a compulsive overeater and your moderator for this meeting. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Before we get started, we ask that all cell phones and other electronic equipment be turned off. Even if you think it's off, even if you think it's off, please make sure. The session is being taped. All participants are required to sign the release form. To protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. Please remember, OA members affiliated with related facilities or other 12-step programs are requested to speak to their recovery in the OA program only. An ASCIT basket will be circulated for the question and answer portion of this session. If there is any press in the room, please respect our anonymity by not taking any pictures, using a video camera, or using our full names. The format for this session is as follows. Three speakers will share for 20 minutes each, followed by questions and answers. An Ask It basket will be passed around. Please place your questions in the box for our panelists. The topic for the session is, somebody read it. What is it? What's trusting, it? Trusting. trusting. Letting go, letting God. Step two. Step two. Willpower, God's will, step three. Thank you. Our first speaker is Colette. Good morning. My name is Colette. I am an absent compulsive overeater, and I'm grateful to be here. So we're working on steps two and three today. Let me quickly give you a history of what I've been through in program, and then I'll get on with steps two and three. Um, I am coming up on 12 years of recovery through Overeaters Anonymous. I am so grateful for this program. I never knew it existed before a friend asked me to go because her counselor had said uh, for her to go, and she needed moral support. So I went. And unfortunately, my friend didn't stay. But I was at a point in my life where tragedy had hit my life, and I was at rock bottom. I was grieving, and I was eating to deal with the grief. 
I would eat, and then I would have two hours relief from grief, and then the grief would come back. So when I came to the OA rooms, I came to a room that had 150 people standing room only, and I heard the promises, and I heard keep coming back, and I saw those happy people, and I thought, why are they so happy? What are the promises? And, and I want those promises too. So I hung on to the keep coming back, and I le- never left the rooms. Um, I have maintained a three, three size clothes loss over the last 12 years, and I have done service, um, since three months into the program and never stopped giving service. Service is what keeps me coming back. It's what keeps me doing my program. And um, I just can't say enough about service. Service is, is what we do to keep what we have and to help others who don't have what we have. Okay, so... Um, step two came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So when I hear that, I think about the slogan, I came, I came to, I came to believe. Um, and so for me, when I came to program, I wasn't even aware that there was Overeaters Anonymous. I knew all about another program, but I never knew there was a program to help with food. Um, And so what I found out was I needed to have awareness first to even be able to come to a meeting. I knew deep down inside that there was something wrong. I knew that I wasn't like other people, but I didn't know how to deal with myself and my food. So that awareness, that getting to that first meeting and hearing other people talk about their compulsive eating, their restrictive eating, their compulsive exercising, that opened my eyes. And I saw all sizes, shapes, and, and, denomina- and um, diversity of people in that room. But yet, I saw them happy. And I saw them in recovery. And this is something that we have to have before we can continue with the program, is we have to have awareness. Then we have to have willingness. Okay? If I wouldn't have had willingness to come to the program, keep coming back, I wouldn't have been able to... to hear about step two or about step three. So 
um, it says in our in our twelve and twelve that the the willingness to act on faith was the key to step two. Okay. It was the beginning of a healing process that would relieve us of the compulsion to overeat and bring stability to our unbalanced lives. We had begun to develop a new relationship with a power greater than ourselves, and we were ready to move ahead with our program of recovery. Okay, so moving on to step three. Made a decision to turn our will and lives over to the care of God as we understood him. So... After I became aware and willing to keep coming back, then I needed to be able to have acceptance of myself and where I was at. And then I needed to be able to make that decision to turn my will over to my higher power. So this for me would be surrendering to my higher power, surrendering to my history of being imperfect. I don't have to be perfect in this program. What I have found that I do is I work my program one meal at a time, one day at a time. And I stay in the present. When I can stay in the present and not worry about my past, the failures of my past, or worry about the possible troubles in my future, then I'm able to stay on track with my food. I am able to stay on track with my, my meditation. And I am able to stay in contact with my higher power. Made a decision to turn our will and lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Now, this is very important for me because in about my sixth year of working program, I had, I had a light bulb come on. And after doing all my step work and rereading my literature and talking with my sponsor, I realized that before I came to program, I had gone through many, many, many food plans. I could get down to a goal weight that I thought was the weight I wanted. But the minute I got down to that goal weight that I wanted, then I was celebrating. It only took me one day to celebrate, and my weight went right back up. 
And I thought, why does this continue to happen? And the reason it continued to happen, I found for myself, was because I didn't have that connection with my higher power. I had a higher power in my life, but I didn't have a close connection. When I do my daily prayer and meditation, my connection with my higher power helps me to be able to turn over my food plan, to trust that I'm going to have just what I need to have and use that food as nourishment and energy for me to to have that energy to be of service rather than um, worrying about, is this the right amount or did I eat too much? Um, so that connection with my higher power is leading to more trust today. I cannot say that I truly, totally trust in my higher power today. And I've been in program almost 12 years. What I can tell you is this program is a lifelong journey for me. And that trust keeps building every day. As long as I work the steps of this program, continue to take one meal at a time, one day at a time, and live in the present. So what happens when we've had a bad day and we need the willingness to continue? We need to lean on that trust that we have with our higher power, our connection with our higher power, and we need to say, okay, I'm going to continue. I don't have to be perfect. I'm going to take one meal at a time. You know, we've always heard, oh, I'll start tomorrow. I'll start Monday. Uh, I'll start New Year's. Well, we don't have to because this program gives you three times a day to start over. You can start over at breakfast. You can start over at lunch. You can start over at dinner. If you make a slip or you think your portion is too restricted or too a little too much, you do not have to to be down on yourself. You just have the have to have the willingness to trust that God or your higher power will help you do the next right thing and have your meal in the correct proportions the next meal. You don't have to wait till tomorrow. You don't have to wait till next week. You don't have to wait till next till the beginning of next year. 
So when we have a bad day, it's hard to keep in the present. So trusting in our higher power, to maintain that trust with our higher power, if we're having a bad day, we can take a moment away in silence and do some meditation with to get in contact with our higher power. That way we build our trust, we refocus ourselves to the present, and we refocus ourselves to the next meal. We also can take that time to say, to say, um, I, I am really an awesome person and I can forgive myself for that slip. I can forgive myself for that slip. We are all awesome people in this room. Okay? Every single one of us. And so there is no need for us to put ourselves down with our food. All right? All we have to do is build trust through getting that that extra contact with our higher power on a daily basis. Okay? I believe I will close with this. When we get off track, our higher power will guide us back, as long as we are sincerely trying to know and do God's will. We can confidently face any situation life brings because we no longer have to face it alone. We have what we need any time we are willing to let go of self-will and humbly ask for help. Building that trust. Thank you so much. Thank you, Colette. Our next speaker is Amy. Hi, I'm Amy, a compulsive overeater. Um, and um, here's the, the quick the quick minute of um, uh, where I've come from. So um, I actually came into Overeaters Anonymous um, in 1985 and then um, thought you were crazy. And then I came back a few months later, 1986, and realized I was one of you. So, um, and by the grace of God, truly by the grace of my higher power, um, I have been um, abstinent since uh, February 15th, 1986, at my um, last binge on February 14th, 1986. I hope it was my last binge. Um, And I'm really grateful to be here and to be abstinent today. So I'd like to dig right into um, steps two and three. Um, the, the things that, that struck me was that the first line of this session says trust. And um, I don't know about you. <laughs> I have trust issues. Um, and, um, uh, and, and fundamentally, what my trust issues are about, um, I fundamentally do not trust that my needs will be met. Period. End of story. That nobody can meet them. I am always trying to get them met. I'm always trying to get them met, and I always confuse my needs and my wants. And with my wants, I was putting in a lot of things, food, alcohol, people, shopping, reading, uh, television, movies, whatever I could to fill that hole 
um, that empty hole, which I'll physically point to. It's right here. It's right here for me. For me. Okay, I'm, I'm, I guess that's your solar plexus or something. I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm pointing to that for people listening in. And, um, and uh, b- by the way, it ends up, it is a God hole. I didn't know that. It is a God hole. So um, I am somebody who came in with not a complete lack of belief of God, I just something I never really thought about. It just, it just didn't occur to me that God would have any role, practical role, in my life. It was just sort of separate. But I was a siloed person. Everything was kind of separate for me and had to be compartmentalized for me to deal with my life. Um, and, um, and then, uh, you know, when I came in, there was uh, NOAA OA literature. And, um, and I was introduced to the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, which um, I'm holding up right here. Um, and um, when people, when I think about what my Bible is over the years, you know, people have, you know, Bibles. And I, uh, you know, I do belong to a, a religious, organized religious group. Um, my Bible is the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, I, I sometimes joke if I could put it, put it under my pillow overnight and through diffusion actually have all the words seep in so I actually am the person that I'd like to be as described um, uh, in this book, I, I would do it. And there are nights I have done it, by the way, feeling so desperate that I was willing to try anything. Um, so um, what I want to talk about when I talk about step two is, um, is first the step itself, right, came to believe, and, and, and uh, I, like Colette, were, you know, like the slogan, came, came to, came to believe, um, because I can honestly tell you when I first came, um, right, I was still, I had just binged, right, so I'm still in the fog of the food, so I, I came, um, I think I came to, not that first meeting, but when I came back, because I came to the meeting and realized, and there were only like less than 14 people in the room, that in that meeting, um, I, was, um, I was among my people. I understood that the things going on in my head that I had extreme shame about were being shared openly by all of you. And it was an unbelievable first miracle. Like, I would scare, I was like looking around, like, how, like, how do these people know me? How did they know what was going on in here? Um, and I will tell you, because I think about it in hindsight, that um, I had to come to believe, and I'm not talking about a, a, uh, a power greater than myself, but I had to come to believe at that meeting in order to stay that number one, you had what I wanted. I had to come to believe that. Like if you, if I was in there and you were saying stuff that was crazy, I would not have believed you and I would have walked out. Whether what you're saying was really crazy or not, or my head said it was crazy, either way, it would have had the same result. But that first time that I came back after saying you were all crazy, see, that's what happened. I thought you were all crazy. I left tried to do it on my own, my self-will run riot, did not get any results I wanted. That meant no results. I didn't get thinner because that was the holy grail. Um, and, getting, and then once I had my holy grail, I didn't realize how crazy I was because I was just a thin, crazy person. I was never a, a thin, normal person. I was a thin, obsessed, cra- the same kind of person except I was holding my hands and white-knuckling it. So when I came back, I came to believe that you were not eating compulsively in that room that day. 
And if you were not eating compulsively in that room that day, then maybe, just maybe, I got the shred of hope that perhaps I may not be, I may stop eating compulsively too. I had no idea what it was going to look like, how it was going to happen, or what. But I knew that you were talking about a fact that you were as crazy about food as I was. You could not stop eating compulsively just like I could not stop eating compulsively, and yet you had all stopped. I believed in you, and you became my first higher power. Because I believe that whatever happened when the door closed and my big toe came into this room was more powerful than anything I had experienced in my life. Now, I know that if somebody had said to me, Amy, you need to move to the far regions of China where there is no cell phone coverage, and by the way, you're going to have to cut off your right arm in order to not eat compulsively, when I came in, I was as desperate as that. I would have said, really? Does it work for others? Okay, I'm going to do it because I was miserable. And the thing is, I'm a drama queen. So, of course, it would have to be some dramatic thing in the far reaches of China where there's no cell phone coverage and I'd have to lose a body part. And really what this program has asked me to do is something extremely simple. Really, just believe in a power greater than yourself and then turn your will and your life over to that. And I'd rather move to China, lose an arm, and have no cell phone coverage than do those two things. So um, that is just the kind of person I am. So um, in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and it starts off in, in We Agnostics on Chapter 4, page 44, um, it talks about having the spiritual life or else. Um, it talks about the main object of the book, of this entire book, of the first 164 pages and the stories thereafter is to find a power greater than myself which will solve my problem. By the way, it does not say that will stop me from drinking alcohol or eating compulsively or any of the other self-destructive issues I have. It says on, my eyes are so terrible, page 45, second paragraph, it will solve your problem. Well, I've got a lot of problems. I wasn't sure what my problem was when I first read that. I still probably are missing some of my problems, but it gave me comfort to know that my problem, whatever it may be, whatever I finally admit to, will be solved. And it also says, and this means we will be talking about God. Okay. Um, Again, that God thing, which did not have to do directly with my life or impact my day-to-day. -day. It was the thing over here. It's the thing you go to a separate building for with people in a community who seem really nice but it has nothing to do with what it looks like when I wake up in the morning and I have a sense of hopelessness and I can't stop myself from compulsive overeating or I can't stop myself from beating the crap out of myself for what I did to myself yesterday knowing that today I am going to do the same exact thing. Because I cannot stop. Hmm. That's the God over there. I need something that works for here. So um, what, I love, um, what I love about the big book and what I love about this program is it never says, you must do this. This book is but a suggestion only. Well, um, I, first of all, it lets my black and white thinking 
ease up a little bit. It made room, it made space for the possibility of another way of doing things that was not my own. Coming into Overeaters Anonymous was truly not just the admission of powerlessness, but really a first step in doing step three about turning my will and my life over the care of my higher power. Because if it was Amy's way of doing things for the last 28 years, I don't think I would be looking for rooms in uh, churches, hospitals, hotels, um, other structures where they may or may not uh, know where I'm going or my, the organization I'm in, uh, have an association where they might hear the word overeater and look at me like, oh, it, is this a fat pig? Because that's what my head said about myself. I mean, coming into the room in the first place, for anybody who's new here, you can't even imagine the progress you've made on steps one, two, and three, it's, it's huge progress just to be here. Even to be here on a July 4th weekend, the progress that we make. So um, what I love is that you have that suggestion, and then within that suggestion, they say this wonderful thing on the bottom of page 46, much to our relief, we discovered we did not need to consider another, another's conception of God. Our own conception, however inadequate, I love that, it was sufficient, even inadequate, I am sufficient, my belief is sufficient to make the approach and to effect a contact, it says, with him, but we know how it was written then, as soon as we admitted the possible existence of a creative intelligence, a spirit of the universe underlying the totality of things, we began to be possessed of a new sense of power and direction, provided we took other simple steps. So it's faith plus the action. We found that God does not make too hard terms with those who seek him. To us, the realm of spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive, or forbidding to those who earnestly seek. It is open, we believe, to all men and to all women. Wow. What I love about this is all you need to do, all you need is just a tiny bit. It is a tiny bit you need to be willing, and you're already on a new plane of existence, which through the rest of the steps that are talked about in the first 164 pages, that theme is repeated. It's repeated in, in 9, in 10, in 11, in 12, a new plane of existence. And um, I also love this, this thing. It says, faced with alcoholic destruction. So faced with compulsive eating destruction. So what happened for me was I was at the face of that destruction, and at the face of that destruction, it said, it became the great persuader. Suddenly, I was willing to do things I would have never considered before because I was in the face of absolute death and destruction and misery. And, um, and why? Why did I agree to step two? and even think of going on because of the 14 people who were in the first meeting and for the millions of people around the world because it worked. If it didn't work, I wouldn't do it. I'm a very practical person. If you said, you know, uh, yeah, uh, avoid doorknobs and you'll be absent. I mean, I would have done anything not to, not to eat compulsively. So in this case, for me, it worked. And that brings us 
to the next step, step three. And I have not much more time to say that. So um, step three. Uh, what I what I like about step three and the way the big book talks about step three is it's not just um, on pages. So if you're following, it's you know and how it works. Page fifty eight and fifty nine, and then it says on the bottom of page sixty, being convinced. Now you know we were at step three, and then it, it says, well, you know, how do you do that? You know, convinced. I'm not sure I'm convinced. So you know, help me get more convinced. Um, one of the things is the themes in the big book, they get repeated. So it comes up in step three, but to, you know, relying upon infinite God rather than finite self, it also comes up when you're doing you know, six and seven. It also comes up when you're doing 11. So just in case the wording for you didn't work around step three, they reword it, say it again and again and again, because after all, this whole book is about our relationship with our higher power. We're going to hear words that have God in it and spirituality. That's, that's what they said the point of the book is. So that's, I, I believe them. That's what I have experienced. <clears throat> One of my favorite parts about step three, which, um, which is so easy to overlook. So <clears throat> it talks about what is our first requirement to embrace making this decision to turn our will and our lives over the care of our higher power. And it says the first requirement is that we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. And I'm like, no, actually, I'm not so sure I believe that. And, um, and, and they go on to say, you know, collision, self-propulsion, actor trying to run the show. Um, but my favorite part goes on to page 61. If his arrangements would only stay put, if only people would do as he wished, the show would be great. Everybody, including himself, would be pleased. Life would be wonderful. In trying to make these arrangements, our actor might be sometimes be quite virtuous. He may be kind. See, this is how I, I didn't realize it said this part. I thought, like, only if you're a jerk... But if you're nice about it, doesn't everybody want what I want? But he may be kind, considerate, patient, generous, even modest and self-sacrificing. <laughs> On the other hand, he may be mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest. But as with most humans, he's most likely to have both these kinds of traits. So, you know, the show doesn't come off. He decides to exert himself still more, admitting you know, the play doesn't suit him. Admitting he's somewhat maybe at fault, he's sure that other people are to blame. He is sure that other people are to blame. Um, what is the basic, uh, you know, then he goes in the basic trouble, and we have self-seeking. And um, isn't it evident to the rest of the player that these are the things he wants? And in, an, in another place it says, didn't they, like, didn't they want perfection? just as he did, and I'm like, yeah, this is me. Um, and when I hear that, and I can laugh about it, because this b book really is also about humor, I have, to, I have to laugh at myself or my life would be completely miserable. It is pretty hysterical to me when I read this, and I think, well, yeah, you know, there's a lot of unmanageability in my life. And maybe, just maybe, just like coming to believe 
gave me this relief and this hope, maybe by surrendering my will and my life over to the care of this higher power, maybe my life would go a little smoother. Just perhaps. So, since I'm a just perhaps kind of person, um, this is something that I must, I won't even say on a daily basis because that's just not frequent enough. I will catch myself trying to be in charge every minute of every day. I mean, it is a conscious effort for me to say that I will not mind be done. It is a conscious effort for me to even, if I can't even say that's a lot of words, sometimes all I say is God, 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 God. So for me, that could be good orderly direction. I don't know. My version, my visual changes a lot. But I don't do this easily. This does not, there is no, there is no self-will behind me reaching out to my higher power. I actually have to pray for the willingness to be willing to surrender my will and my life over to the care of my higher power. That is how it has always been for me. Um, What I really like, and and, um, I have a few more minutes, I see we have... um, there's a wonderful promises. There's a lot of promises in the big book, and I, I never knew that. Like, I'm studying the big book more. I just really, I was like, oh, well, there's, you know, we know the step nine. After step nine, there's a promise, right? No, this is a really cool promise. It's on page 63 on how it works. When This is about um, uh, really admitting um, that we're going to turn our, you know, turn our power, life and our, our will over to our, our care of our higher power. It says, when we sincerely took a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. Hmm, that sounds good to me. We had a new employer being all-powerful. He provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. Established on such footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life as we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully, as we became conscious of his presence, we, became, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter. We were reborn. And um, on, a, on a weekend, like Independence Weekend, freedom from fear If I do this, I get to be free of the fear that has me in shackles every day, the fear of not getting enough, the fear that I might take that first compulsive bite, the fear that you're not going to do what I need you to do, the fear that my husband is not going to take care of me the way I want him to, or that my kids aren't going to grow up and be the children and the, the, the men I'd like them to be. If I could have that freedom from fear, I'm pretty willing to do that work so I don't have to live that way anymore. So I suppose that is a fantastic way to end. My last card here, though, I really love. There happens to be a vision. It's God's vision. It's on page 85. Every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all of our activities. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. These are thoughts which must go with us constantly. Thank you. Thank you, Amy. I'm going to start the um, Ask It Basket around, and um, you can ask questions of the panelists or 
just general questions. Our next speaker is Andrea. Oh, great. Um, Good morning. I'm Andrea, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi. Um, I want to thank uh, the people that asked me to speak because, boy, did I need to read this step. I mean, my God, the timing. That's what makes the higher power so fantastic in my life. He does for me what I can't do for myself. And that was read this step. I didn't realize. I haven't been going to a step meeting because of my time, my schedules. And, uh, God, I miss it. I should go to one every single week because I don't read them at home. I'm just not that type. I don't study. I'm not a student. I don't like to read, so I talk on the phone. And then I don't like to listen to people, so I don't call people. Anyway, (laughs) especially if you don't got to say something I don't like. Anyway, um, what it was like, what happened. I went to my first meeting, I think it was about 43 years ago. Uh, My father's, one of my father's two good friends, one died of alcoholism, the other one died sober because he went to AA, and my father lived his life. My two, and he said, there's a place like that for you, and I was pissed. If I had been a a peacock, my feathers would have went, I thought, you're a drunk. I'm just a little fat. So anyway, and of course I fought this my whole life, you know. So anyway, he said, there's Overeaters Anonymous. So when we bought our house, our starter house, which we're still in, um, I went to a first OA meeting. It was in this church on Geary Street down below. These people, oh, my God, no wonder they were eating. This woman was on welfare. I had a starter house in Millbrae. This woman's on welfare. It was very depressing. They were all very depressed. And I thought, oh, my God. God, this can't, this is not me, you know. So I, of course, never went to another meeting. But I see, I wanted to wear a hostess skirt with about a 21 waist. And I also wanted to be about five inches taller. I had no idea because I have no reality. I'm very immature, very, very immature. I'm a fantasy person. When I ate, I fantasized. Dancing in the streets with Cary Grant, tall and thin. You know, it was a real escape. And I started this at a very young age. So uh, as soon as I had a dream world and watched TV. So anyway, um, what happened is I had to come back. Of course, there's nothing like, and it says in the 12 by 12, I think, if I'm, if I'm quoting from someplace else, remember. Anyway, it says that nothing makes us more willing than the food. Nothing. Nothing. And the, and the, well, the food wasn't bad. It was the obesity. I couldn't stand being fat. I wanted to be tall and thin. Of course, I had no idea. I had no reality about being tall, but I wanted to be thin. And I couldn't do it because I don't have the power to eat like I eat. I have no power. And I, I never, I liked what somebody said last night. I never related that I weighed what I weighed because I ate. It was bad metabolism. My big thing was the metabolism. So anyway, and then I'm short. Anyway, um, <laughs> what happened was I went to another meeting, and I came to OA because we were going to have a Christmas party. Always my body makes me do everything. My body still makes me do everything, and the obsession. 
the mental obsession. Anyway, I, I got to get going here on two and three. Anyway, what happened is I came to another meeting. I came. I was very successful. Had a bizarre abstinence. Anybody wants to hear about the details, I'll tell you after. Bizarre abstinence, and I lost weight. I was a star. You know, of course, I wasn't talking to anybody on the weekends, and nobody knew I came here because I'm humiliated that I have to come here. And um, I went to meetings. And I uh, lost weight, lost like 30 pounds, 35 pounds. I'm looking good. I'm feeling good. Of course, Christmas Day, I took a bite of a potato chip. And the potato chip is very important because that's why I don't eat carbohydrates, my relationship with potatoes, which was very hard to accept that it's God's will that part of my abstinence be that I don't ever eat a potato chip again. And that's when it started to bend that you're not, Andrea's not doing what she wants. Andrea's doing what's going to give her what she needs. A freedom from the obsession. Oh, the obsession and the weight. A freedom from the obsession. There is nothing worse when that monkey jumps on your back. And, you know, the thing about the praying and all, God knows I do it, but I got to get on the phone. I have to get out of the house. Fighting, there's times when I can't fight the compulsion. It's going to win. That's when I have to admit my powerlessness at all times. Anyway, I went to a meeting, so I left. I found a good excuse, and I left the program. For 20 months, I went back up. Of course, I know all the figures. 160 to 213. I'm 213 again, but I'm not pregnant. And the first time, I had a baby, and I lost 20 pounds. This time, it's going to come off very hard. So I ate, and I met people, and they called once in a while. I was too busy playing baseball. 213, I almost died of a stroke one day on a doubleheader. But anyway... My, spot, my sponsor, who ended up being my sponsor, she calls me one day, and it's, a, it's Easter week. This is, God, this is God doing for me what I can't do, my higher power. She calls me, and I go to a meeting with her and because I was going to see my family. My family hadn't seen me. You know, God knows I don't want to go out. I had nothing to wear. So anyway, um, we went to this meeting, and when I left, she weighed a certain amount, and I weighed, and then she lost the weight, and I gained, and all this stuff happened with the weight that made me willing because nobody would do this unless you were desperate. The only thing that helps me is to remember my desperateness, and I, I wouldn't have done it. I, it. I think the program asks a lot, a real lot. I thought it was real fanatical, but I still did it. Anyway, we went to a meeting, and she had lost weight, so I'm listening to her a little bit. And she had some personal problems, and they had, she had taken care of them. And I thought, well, it's about time. You know, judgmental, so judgmental. So, but you know what? It's kind of good, judgmental. I thought, you should have taken care of that. I can't hear it one more time. But anyway, what happened was I went to this meeting, and she was on this food plan, and there was this speaker on the food plan. And what happened was... Um, the speaker was on the same food plan, and it was this gray sheet, which really means no carbs, no sugars, and no starches. That eliminates a lot of food. was everything I was eating. You know, I thought I liked vegetables. I did not. I didn't know what vegetables were until now. But anyway, what happened was I had like a spiritual experience in that, and I cried. I cried later on in the car, and I just... I start and see, I had been raised Catholic. I love religion. I've loved ceremony, but I had had it with the religion too, and I'd had it with God. So what happened was at this meeting, um, this person led, and she was so tiny, and she had lost all this weight. She was so skinny, and in eight months, and thank God I'm arrogant. 
and uh, have no reality, no touching with who I really am or what the kind of disease I had or what I was really doing, I thought, oh, she did it in 10 months. I can do it in eight. You know, I mean, and then I thought, well, if she did it, I can really do it. You know, thank God I was so arrogant that I thought I could do it. But then at the same time, later on, I started crying. I said, I don't know. I had been eating potato chips every day. It was really great to have one food that you eat because I really got it about a drug addict. I was like a fix, you know. Saying I just eat, that's too broad, the fix where I had to have this. And I said to her, I don't think I can do it. And she said, Andrea. And this person didn't, wasn't crazy about God. She goes, Andrea, there's a power in this room that you can do it. She said, you can do it. I said, well, I've had it with God. She goes, don't worry. You've got to do step one. You know, don't worry about it. You'll have to do step one first. And when I, that night when I was crying, of course, you know, you're so willing at night because you're full. You're so willing. And the next day you have to have breakfast. That's the rude awakening. I don't, I'm not going to eat it if I don't get what I want. She goes, you've got to have something. So we came up. But I cried that night because I thought, it was the first time I kind of really thought of God in the long, I thought, is this really your will, that I eat a certain way, and then I have to go to these meetings, I have to read these books, I have to answer these phone calls. I love talking on the phone. I have to answer these phone calls. That wasn't as hard. But there's times when you don't want to talk. And I, I just had no idea. It started the, jury, the journey on step two. And uh, when I read it, when I read step two uh, the other day, it says, thy will not mine be done. Well, then let's start with the first thing. Thy will not mine be done. I didn't say that for like 12 years. And I was raised in Catholicism, and I get, it's after prayers. But the great thing is you don't have to start praying. You pray at a meeting. You, uh, and then it was really good. In those days, there were a lot of step meetings. That was, and it's, I'm, I need meetings where we do work. That's good for me because I don't do it at home. I don't read the big book all the time at home. I need to have a meeting where they're doing a structured thing and it makes me. And now at my age, I forget things. So anyway, I had a hard time saying that. And what happened was, oh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, some lines from the step two in the 12 by 12 of AA. First of all, I was savage. I liked one of the girl last night that talked about how angry she was. I was very angry about this food plan argued with my sponsor about peas. and I, I bickered about everything. But I did it because I wanted to be thin. That was the only reason I did any of it. Uh, and I wanted, no, I also wanted the mental obsession. You know, I don't talk about that, but you start the debate in the morning. Or you go to bed at night, and you know you're not going to do it the next day. I had 20 months of that. I was miserable. Thank God I started opening my mouth to my husband and I told him how miserable I was because we had a two-year-old and he had to do a lot of babysitting while I went to these meetings, which was great. I loved getting out of the house. And I started, you know, I started wearing clothes again. Debating, I had to debate 10 minutes. Okay, I had to stop debating from the substance. I had to stop debating about everything. I had to stop debating about political, religion. I had to have an open mind. Open mind? I don't think so. I had to be open. And I re started reading in this little pamphlet. They had a prayer of tolerance. It's from AA. And I needed that because I'm so judgmental. I had to leave people the right to do what they had to do. And I kept doing it. I mean, I didn't believe in any of it. And when my sponsor used to talk about the addiction, I used to go, ugh, can't stand this. Don't say that. I don't think I used that word or an allergy. And when you travel, if you say you've got an allergy, people jump. 
And they never asked me what the allergy is. When I got a job once and they were all eating out all the time, I said, oh, I can't go there. I'm allergic to Chinese food. And she goes, oh, is it the MSG? I said, kind of, kind of, yeah, kind of. (laughs) You know, they don't really want to hear. They're not asking. They don't really want to hear. And, you know, oh, I don't like that food, you know. And it was kind of like it's, I don't, they don't want to hear. And I really don't want to tell them because, you know, I I don't want to, sometimes I don't want to tell them. And when you do start telling them and then their face goes over, you think, oh, might as well stop right now. Oh, the other thing was in the step, it talks a lot about a new, oh, I want to talk real quick about the physical and spiritual and emotional. I admitted I was emotionally and spiritually addicted, but I did not want to admit that I was physically addicted. So the, and then my sponsor, when I said, I don't want to read those, I'm not, I've had it with God, but that night I would have kissed Buddha's tummy if you had asked me to, which meant how desperate I was. And in my religion, you're not supposed to do that. But I would have done it. I would have done it. So what happened was this was a new way of life. And isn't this a way of life? i got to pray. i got to read these books every day. I have to call a sponsor. I have to eat a certain way. And that new way of life is a real big thing for me to hold on to. I'm in a new way of life. And that, it makes me different than people. I don't like being different. I like to fit in. I like to stand out, really, sometimes. But anyway, there's restaurants I don't go to. And we do a lot of socializing. And thank God, the things we do now, the Western dancing, I eat dinner before I go, and even the cards, I've started playing cards. It's, you never know when there's going to be a new challenge with, this, with life because I pick up something. And it's, I really need my higher power uh, to help me. Also, um, swallowing step two. You only have to take it at certain times. Oh, I want to talk about something that really helped me with step two and three. I was abstinent, I don't know, 12, 8 years, I don't know how many years. Oh, did I say that Easter, that was, what, 39 years ago, 38 years ago, I'm working on my 39th year, I started this abstinence. I had a slip 10 days later at a fashion show, and it was, I came home, and I tried to reach my sponsor. I couldn't reach her, so I ate a little bit more. And I didn't even want what I ate, but I wanted to fit in. Everybody was fashion show. I was the fattest person at the room. In those days, the fashion show, you know, 38 years ago, they didn't have the selection of clothes they have nowadays for overweight people. And I was, I was just, I was dying inside. It was horrible. And I ate something. And my sponsor said, she said, Andrea, somebody I called said, you have to love yourself. And that's true. But My sponsor, when I called her, there was this dead silence at the other end of the phone, and she said, Andrea, you've got to take this seriously. She said, you don't want to be on again, off again. And I heard her. So uh, the religion I wasn't practicing, I went down and did confession. I wanted to do something formal, you know, to reconnect. I I didn't know that that's what I was doing. I didn't know that I was looking for this God thing. But I was looking for it. Um... Let's see what else there. Oh, step two and three help me have a relationship with reality. Like I said, I don't like reality. I still don't. I I don't like it. The other day I called my sponsor. Um, I started calling in my food again in January. Last year I stopped going to as many meetings and I went to AA meetings. Very bad mistake. I started overeating on abstinent food. I was taking somebody who was getting sober to the AA meetings. 
but I need to go to at least two meetings a week in OA, not another 12-step program. For me, it has to be OA, because I sat at those meetings, and I don't drink. That's another thing. I had to give up the drinking with this abstinence. My sponsor said when I started it, I did not think it was going to be God's will that I do what I do. I thought that I was going to have special dispensation. Is that what they call it? Dispensation. I was going to drink beer, wine, Chinese, and Mexican food. A tamale. I don't even like tamales. I don't know why I picked that. But anyway, as soon as I got thin, well, my goal weight, thank God, was 101, and I've never done it. Even after 14 days in the hospital, I was still only 113. You know, it's thank God I had this goal weight, because I was going to change my food plan. I was going to do a lot of things different. But because I've never made it, and because it's so hard to just be abstinent some days, I haven't changed my food plan. If anything, it gets narrower. And I'm shrinking, two and a half inches. (sighs) Okay. Um, Oh, when it talks about the God of intellect, God of personality. Let's get by with the personality. I never was big on the intellect. And, you know... um, Oh, God, was this me? Grant me my wishes. And saying, thy will not mine be done, is really hard. And when I read these steps, I started crying when I read step three. Um, I guess it was Thursday I started studying it, and I, or Wednesday. And I started crying because when it comes to my family today, I have tremendous fear for my three grandchildren, my daughter and her husband, for my husband and I. It's all fear of the future. Once in a while, it's fear. Like Tuesday night, I went to a pizza party, and they changed the restaurant. I was, you know, we're going to eat at one pizza place, and I'm excited because they have my favorite salad. It's one of my favorite restaurants in this area. And they changed it to another one. I had to go up there and look at the salad bar. I told my, I got myself in such a dilemma. But because I'm weak, that's why I got in a dilemma. So I went up, I looked at the salad bar. I had to call my sponsor. We had to discuss it. It's disgusting. I mean, it's humiliating, but it's the truth. It's who I am. I, you know, and I started reading this, and what I got from step three, which I wasn't practicing, which I have on the top of the page if I'd open the book, that I should have faith. There you are, the higher power. There's a book I read uh, every day since about five months of abstinence. They used to be conference to prove these two books, and in one of the books, they have a real lot of God stuff in the second part of the page, and it said, all will be well. When I read that once, you know, first few years, I just went over it. But meanwhile, I'm staying abstinent, thank God, because I got success. Nothing like losing weight to help you work your program more, because you don't want to go back. I do not want to go back. I have seen people, I've seen horrible things happen to people with that first bite, and there is a first bite. My abstinence isn't perfect, but I have never taken back those other things for 38 years, and I thank God that my sponsor convinced me, and all the people in the room convinced me. Because when people argue about a substance and they can't give this up, it's like when I'm arguing, forget other people. How about me? When I'm arguing like I can't give that up, I don't know if I can do this, I don't know if I can do that, I'm thinking, you know, I've made this too important. Why can't, you know, I, I have to be honest. It doesn't mean I'm always give it up, but I have to be honest with myself that this is really... I'm going to give up everything for this one little thing that no matter how much I eat, it's not going to be enough anyway. That's what my sponsor's convincing me about the measuring because I want to lose more weight. She's convincing me. She goes, once you eat it, it doesn't matter if it's a half a cup or a third of a cup, 
a full cup, and I'm like, oh, it matters, it matters. But you know, and then I go to meeting, I go to meals sometimes, and that's when I need to pray to God. I go to meals, and I'm thinking I'm not even hungry. I take the first bite. The next thought is, this is not enough. You know, it's and I'm driving home. I'm changing the dinner. I'm going to change the dinner. I mean, there's such, you know, it the disease never lets up. I mean, I know people say they have total, and I do have freedom. I mean, God, thank God, I have freedom. But I don't have it from the quantity and the subs and the um, because I've abused it. That's why I don't have one minute. Okay, there we go. All right, let's go to step three real quick. Oh, trust. That's the other word which was covered, and then acceptance. And I thought the biggest thing about acceptance is reality. And when I started thinking of my grandchildren, I'm so I'm I'm so negative. I used to be a Pollyanna. And now I'm on the other extreme. You know, that's the other thing. My change. I used to be a Pollyanna because I really didn't see things. And now I'm going to the other one, negative, negative. Where with you have a higher power, it has to do with today. My grandchildren, I have three healthy grandchildren. They're, you know, they, they're, by the grace of God, right now they're healthy. And I need to thank God. That's something I have to work on every day with my relationship with my higher power is my gratitude list. And you know what? If you're having trouble with that, just call somebody and say, what was on your gratitude list? Okay, let me see if there's any. Oh, okay, I'll end with this. I'm sorry about step three. One minute. Okay. All right, here we go. I'm going to end with this at the end of page 40. It is when we try to make our will conform with God's that we begin to use it rightly. To all of us, this was a most wonderful revelation. I don't know about that, but it's something I need to do. Our whole, you know, these words, you know, I'm supposed to have a different attitude about this. Our whole trouble has been the misuse of willpower. We had tried to bombard our problems with it instead of attempting to bring into agreement with God's intentions for us. That's, that's hard. That's to accept what is and to be, and to not get nasty about it. You know, I owed my, after I read this, I had to call my daughter and apologize. I'm going to be apologizing the rest of my life because I don't keep my mouth shut. Thank you. Um, okay, we have some questions here. I'll see if there's any for a specific person, specific speaker. No. Okay. Um, all right. I know doing my HP will from, is always best for me. And yet, for some reason, I keep going back to my will. How can I stay with God's will for me? Okay, so um, how can I um, stay with with my higher power's will for me? Um, 
what you have to do is learn to stay in the present. Um, like um, I have said before, to stay in the present for my day, I deal with one meal at a time. I don't, um, I don't make a weekly food plan, um, and I don't make a daily food plan. I make a one meal at a time food plan. I stay focused. I keep that connection with my higher power that way. I also meditate. Um, when I'm, when I'm faced with, um, when I'm faced with, okay, I really want to do it my way. Okay. First thing is meditation. Next thing is talk to somebody else about it. Okay. Make a phone call. Go walk over to someone's house and say, hey, I need some help. Reach out to other people. Don't do this alone. This is a we program, not a me program. That's why we have these rooms. So to stay in the present and keep that God connection, you need to reach out to others who know what you're going through. Hi, I'm Amy, a compulsive overeater. Um, and I just, uh, what I wanted to add to that is um, um, I find that um, when I'm going to a regular amount of, uh, day, of weekly meetings and I have uh, a sponsor who I'm working the steps with and um, I'm using the tools, that's what the tools, for me, the tools of recovery are about improving my relationship with my higher power. Well, when my relationship with my higher power is improved because of the actions I'm taking, it is much easier for, re- for me to remember what God's will is for me and to pause. So the less I do in my program, the, the, I, don't, I don't remember to take that pause and ask what God's will is for me. And then I find myself in a very unmanageable situation and having an unmanageable day. So that's what I do. Um, this one is for me. Uh, how do you translate your trust into um, in HP to trusting people, especially your husband? Ha ha. Really? You, you actually, you're assuming I do this. Um, <laughs> and... Um, and, and it's the same answer as the previous answer, which is um, the way I um, uh, work on my relationships is uh, I have to stay, I have to keep the focus on myself. Um, and I do that through working a program of recovery, which means when I do service by see, speaking here or I'm filling in to do the cell literature after a meeting, um, and I go to enough meetings a week, um, I will tell you, I am, you'd think I'm an angel um, because I can handle situations which used to baffle me. And God is doing for me what I could not possibly do on my own. You see, there's no Amy in trusting my husband. There's no Amy in that equation at all. It's when I take care of Amy and do these things to take care of myself, the natural result, the natural result of an inventory, of doing my 10-step work, of doing service, is my ability to trust other people and not look to them to be 
anything than who they are. I don't have to do anything to change my mind. I just need to work the steps of this program. That's how it's worked for me. Okay. Um, what helped you get through all the changes to your life when you were a newcomer? What helped you get through all the changes to your life when you were a newcomer? The sponsor. Had to get up in the morning, make the phone call to plan the breakfast. You know, it was a whole new way of life. And then the meetings... Talk, going to the meetings, talking after the meetings, going to coffee after the meetings. I was much younger. We used to go and we'd go to the meetings. It, it was, it was just, it was, it was a, I had to talk to people and I didn't want to talk about certain things. I still don't. Called my sponsor last Monday and I told her my thoughts in my mind. It's humiliating. Like in those two steps, it talks about humility and perseverance. It's humiliating to tell what's in my brain. It's embarrassing. I want to look better. I want to be better. But it's not honest to really tell somebody that some of the crazy things that are in my brain, my feelings about different people or different things. And it was the sponsor and making, having relationships where you can call when something's happened in your family and you don't have to give any history. They know right away your weaknesses. You need somebody. I needed people. I need people. In January of this year, I started calling in my food again and talking to a sponsor, which I hadn't done off and on for a long time. And the thing was, the first day before I did it, I said to her, I said, I don't know if I can do this. And she said, let's just take one day at a time. And the, and the honesty, being honest about, working on being honest. I am not basically an honest person. So working on being honest, like saying, I'm not doing that. And then we'd start talking about it. One day after Thanksgiving, I called her. I said, I've never eaten another vegetable ever by an hour and a half later i got my lunch planned it's and that's how it is with my personal things with my husband for years i used to say things to her and she'd say i think you ought to tell him and i'd say okay okay i hang up but now i have to tell him i have to work on telling him so it's having people that know you and help you get right to it and give you there's something about making that phone call and all of a sudden you're able to stand taller and do it the willingness comes through these through you people. Thank you. Um, I let me see. I'm trying to um, combine a couple of these. Um, what is God, and how does it show up in your life? I think that is a multi-century old question. What is God? So um, I, I, you know, uh, if you're asking um, what, um, uh, what is your version, what is your conception of God, because that's really all the big book asks us to do, is everyone can have their own version. So um, uh, like I shared, I mean, it first started out very simply. It was the fact that all these people in this room right now, none of you are eating compulsively. Unless I can't see something happening. So we're all abstinent right now, by the way. Amen. Um, 
I always laugh about that because I don't come from that tradition at all, but it's fun to say anyway. Um, and, um, and, uh, and then, so it started because of you, it had to be very realistic. And then, um, I, you know, my higher power, my version of my higher power really changes. So I do have like, um, sort of like when I'm going into a hard situation and I'm at work, I envision, uh, my goddess warriors, honestly. And it ends up, it's like my sponsor and, you know, it's like a group of my peeps, usually my female, for me, my female peeps. So like when I go into a situation, I really feel like I am not alone. I am, I have this goddess warrior who's, who's, who's with me. Um, there are times when it really feels like it's a great spirit to me. Um, uh, other times like just, uh, overwhelming, uh, presence, uh, there's an incredible amount of love. Um, and then it really is, I feel my higher power, really feel my higher power every time I am in um, an Overeaters Anonymous meeting where the um, uh, steps are valued and the traditions are being kept um, because that's where I feel safe and I feel my higher power there. Um, And how does my higher power show up in my life? I would say there's not a single part of my life that my higher power doesn't show up in. Um, I can tell you um, a, a million reasons of the things that are um, crappy in my life and don't work for me and then flip them around and tell you why those are exactly the way they're supposed to be and pushing me to be the kind of person I have always wanted to be. So it's very easy for me to see, I don't know, I, I don't know, hardships. I feel like really hardships, that's life. Who doesn't deal with life, death, marriage, loss, grief, sadness, joy, a disappointment, if we're not dealing with it, we're not human beings living. Um, and so it's not, it's not, the way my higher power, I think, really works in my life is not what happens, the things that happen, oh, I got the parking spot, oh, I got the, I got the, the child who's easy and, and doesn't, you know, need extra help in learning. It's more in how, how, do, I, how do I respond to life? You know, do I respond with gratitude because I got the parking spot? Yay! Don't, I don't take it for granted. When I have the hardship, do I let myself feel but then use that as an example for my fellows? Like, you know, I'm a blabbermouth too, so I, try, I tend not to keep my hardships a secret. One, because that's how I process it. Two, because I am definitely I'm a, a martyr and I you know, work on that on a daily basis. But three, because when I share it with somebody else, it may not make me feel better, but it, sometimes people don't realize that we're not alone. And they hear that somebody else is going through that. It takes a community. What I get in this room is I am not alone. That is my higher power. So to be able to do service like that you know, maybe it helps one person because now they know they're not alone. So, um, yeah, that's. How much time do we have? How does an untrusting person like me learn to trust? Um, 
That's an interesting question um, because in my lifetime, that's what I've learned that I wasn't and uh, that I was. I was an untrusting person. Um, So what I have done, how I've become more of a trusting person is... I've come into these rooms, and I've heard those promises, and I've kept coming back. I've read the literature. I've read the steps, and I've kept coming back. I've done service. I've talked to others, and I've kept coming back. Being able to be in the rooms, in your safe space, is how you learn to trust, how I learned to trust. Um, I've heard it said many times that um, we use these rooms to grow up. We use these rooms to learn how to do things that we didn't learn how to do because of our disease when we were growing up. Um, And so when, when in the process, when I'm learning how to trust, when I hear you all say things three times in one week, and believe me, it does happen, then I know I need to wake up and listen to what you said. I can go to three different meetings, talk to three different people, or hear three different speakers, and they'll say the same thing, only in different words. When I experience that, I know that I need to learn to trust Because I am being taught. I am learning to be humble, to be teachable. And that's how I learn to trust others. I was just going to say, it's the same as the God thing. I have to act as if doesn't matter if I trust or not. I can act as if, just for today, just for what's happening. Just act as if I trust. And to give God an, a time. I remember saying to somebody, somebody was looking for a boyfriend. She goes, when's it going to happen? I said, you have to give him up to 40 years. You know, I mean, get out of the moment and just have trust that this is all going to work out. And he has a plan. That's the kind of stuff. I have to act, I have to act as if. Just act like I believe it. And it feels better. Related to trust. What about relapse? I'm having trouble getting trust again. Um, well, just good. this is going to be Andrea's opinion. Take what you want and leave the rest. I don't like the word relapse. I like the word, did you have a slip? Did you eat something you shouldn't have sli- eaten? Um, I guess 
you just have to do today. You have to start over. You have to just say to yourself, just for today, it's, start, it's you know, um, I, the reason I don't like that word is because it's like a state of being. And it's like when you had a slip, you had a slip. That's it. You ate it. Now you got to go on. I like that. That's what I was, and that's what happened to me on that Saturday at the thing. I ate something I shouldn't have. I went home. I ate more. My sponsor, we never discussed it again. We just planned dinner, and then we went to breakfast on Sunday morning. And don't let it go in your brain. This is where in page 86 it says, God, direct my thinking. That's the disease. Oh, you're such a shit. You know, you're not. You know, you'll never amount to anything. Ask God to direct my thinking. And sometimes what the only way I can get my brain to shut up is to pray out loud. And then I get so crazy I can almost think about something and saying something out loud. But your mind can only think of one thing. Like when I go to say, God, I think G-O-D, grant me the serenity. I have to just stop this. This is my worst enemy. What do they say? If I'm, if I'm the only one I'm listening to, I'm in bad company. Surrender, how do you do it? It's, I guess the question is, surrender, how do you do it? I'm not up here because I know how to do it. Um, I will tell you, um, you know, there's that T-shirt that says everything I ever had has claw marks, let go of has claw marks all over it. So I'm one of those people, right? I have to have, I have to be at the brink of destruction. Like this is what compulsive overeating did for me. It was life or death for me, life or death. And when, um, unfortunately, I'm a low bottom that way. And um, it's unfortunate, I say, because through my life I have, this is a, a, a theme that before I'll really be willing to do the work to have anything, let go of anything, um, I have to, you know, go to a low bottom. And I recently had a conversation with a sponsor of mine uh, about, uh, you know, practicing these principles on my affairs, working on another issue and not being able to let go of it and starting to cry because I was like, you know, as bad as it feels today, I actually don't know if this is my bottom. And I know that I'm not going to be willing to do the work until I hit that place. Um, so, um, so that's one point. Um, on a more hopeful note, um, I think uh, what we talked about is this acting as if, you know, who knows? This is, this is how I have gotten myself to do many, many, many things. Um, I'm going to act as if going to this meeting will make a difference in my life. I am going to act as if um, following this food plan will mean that I have more clarity. I'm going to act as if. I don't believe it. Just for the record, everybody, I don't think it's going to work, and I'm going to prove you wrong, but in the meantime, I'll act as if. That is the way I have gotten myself to do lots of things. I'm going to act as if I have let go of my uh, control of my relationships, of making people do things. Just for today, I'm going to act as if, maybe just for this 15 minutes. And I can go and start controlling everything all over again in another 15 minutes. But until then, I'll act as if. It's how I convince myself to do quite a few things um, to, that, that actually help me. 
um, without having to hit the bottom, the hard bottom that I've had to hit for many other things. So that's that's the suggestion that that works for me and maybe would work for you. And I got it from somebody else. I don't have anything original. It's all it's all there. It's just repackaged so I can understand it better for me. Thanks. question and then um, we'll close the meeting. Um, how did you decide you had taken the third step for the first time? Right. I guess it just means how did you decide you had taken the, the third step? I must hate those pesky silences. Okay, um, so you know, I really, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm a real perfectionist. So I thought there was going to have to be like the burning of the incense, and like you do something that's very spiritually oriented. And what I find is anything I put that blocks me from doing the steps must be removed to keep going on. The point is progress, not perfection. So how I did the third step is I followed whatever my sponsor told me to do for doing the third step. So uh, for in doing the third step multiple times in my life, you know, sometimes it was, you know, first I had done some writing assignment, and then I turned that over to my sponsor, and then we read the third step prayer together and read it and as, you know, sincerely as a person could do it. Um, uh, Just uh, a few months ago, um, sometime this year, actually I can't remember the timing, but sometime this year I did a third step again. And, you know, and this sponsor was, you know, about uh, getting on your knees. I'm like, yeah, I'm not really a person who gets on their knees very much. And besides, once I get on my knees, I have a really kind of hard time getting up from my knees. So I'm not really sure I'm crazy about this, but hey, this is about being open to this. What if doing this might actually work for me? And I didn't, I've never tried it, so how would I know? So we, we did that. And then the point is, is it's just a starting point. Like none of the steps are the end-all, be-all. They're not meant to just you do them once and that's it. The themes are carried through every single other step Anyway, so whatever I didn't cover or understand the first in the step three, then I got back in step seven, and then I got back in step 10, and then I get back in step 11, and then I get it back in step 12. And oh my gosh, then I'm working the steps again. So there's no, for myself, I, and I say this to myself a lot, to caution myself against having to find the right place, the right pen, the right book, everything that has to be perfect because the truth is the only thing getting in the way, again, of me doing what I need to do and take care of myself would, is, is me. When all I need to do is follow it through and then see what happens. And by the way, because we do them again and again, if it didn't work for you so well the first time around, come up, you get something the next time around. And you can do it just like you can, I can restart my day at any time. I can actually take a step three again at any time. It's not like I have to work through and, oh, sorry, I'm on eight, can't do step three. Right? So. Right now, the big thing, I, I think I, don't, I formally took step three, but I, it's every day. The ABCs, A, that I am a compulsive reader and cannot manage my own life. B, 
No human power can relieve this compulsion. When that compulsion sets in, I'm dead. See, God could and would, if sought, if sought, I have to seek God. So there you are, step three. Thank you. It's now time to close this session. Let's thank our speakers and all who have done service for this session. Okay, um, let's see uh, how we can best do this. We'll close with a third step prayer and it asks us to join hands. Um, you want to go down there? Okay. 